Amen. And let's go into the word. Amen. I want to preach something to you. I'll teach something to you. Share what God has shared on my heart for you this week. The power of repentance. Praise God. And we're going to open up in Psalms 51. Amen. God put this word in my heart. Amen. And I, I heard him last week. And what, I, what I've been thinking here the Holy Ghost speaking to me was calling people to repentance. And I've been thinking to think about when Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and he began to talk to them. And what he told them, he said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. He said, but I came to call sinners. And what's interesting about that story is he was talking to people that were religious. He was talking to people that were supposedly in God. And he was going through the, the, the cities of Israel calling people to repentance. And something interesting that he said in that that really got me, that really stuck to me. He said, I came to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous. What he was saying is, now one other writing says there's none righteous, no, not one. So what he was implying was, if a person has a need for repentance, but they start to say things like, I've been saved for so long, or what I'm doing is not wrong. He said, I didn't come to deal with the people that don't see a need to repent when their behaviors violate the word. He said, but I came to call people to repentance that understand and realize that the things that they're doing is not in alignment with the word of God, and I'm calling them to repentance. What that word repent means, there's a, there's a technical definition for repentance, and then there's something spiritual that God wants to happen when we repent, okay? The definition of repentance by definition simply means you're going in one direction and you turn and go the other way. So, for instance, if you have a problem with an attitude and you go to somebody and you say, I apologize for my attitude, but then the next day you have the same attitude, that is not repentance. That is apology. See, a true repentance results in it. Now, I just felt a touch from the Holy Ghost. I guess, I'm a, I guess my help just came in here. That's all right if my helper came in and, and felt a little shift right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> but repentance, by definition, is a behavior change. Okay? It's a behavior change. If you, if you go into the word of the Lord and you start reading the word of God and the word of God is in opposition to some behavior that you're walking in, repenting of that behavior means I'm, I was behaving this way. Now I'm turning from that behavior and I'm going to start a new behavior. When God, God is not calling people to just say I'm sorry because a lot of people say they're sorry but they don't discontinue their behavior. God is looking for us not to just apologize but a behavior change. And the only way behavior change is when it happens in the spirit. And we're going to walk through these, these psalms and show you the difference. Now, some people say, well, somebody apologized and they say, well, they're not sorry. They're sorry they got caught. It doesn't matter what brings you to repentance. See, if somebody changed their behavior, it don't matter if they did it voluntarily involuntarily. The only thing that God is looking for is a behavior change. Praise God. If you catch somebody doing something that violates you or if they come to you and tell you and I, I'm, 
Either way, you happen, you got a person that's willing to change their behavior. So it don't matter if you caught them or if you don't catch them. If a person is moved to repentance for whatever reason, it's acceptable to God. Remember, repentance goes beyond saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of behavior, praise God. And that's what I've been clear to hear God telling me this week, calling people to behavior change. Not just apologizing, not just, uh, and you know in your heart that things are still not resolved. No, God is saying if a person really repents, the repentance that the Bible accepts is a behavior change. If you hit me in the face, can you say you're sorry? And then you hit me in the face to tomorrow, but you said you're sorry, but you didn't repent. Repent means if you hit me in the face and say you're sorry, do you not hit me in my face ever again. Can I get an amen? Uh, repentance is not words. Repentance is action, praise God. So don't let somebody move you emotionally with no behavior change. Because repentance, the true mark of repentance is behavior change, not words. And that's why some people struggle to receive the Spirit of God. Because if you repent correct and you turn from things that you know the Bible is against, receiving the Spirit of God is not hard. The barrier in receiving the Spirit of God is not being willing to turn from behaviors that the Spirit of God won't come in agreement with and live in. See, the Spirit of God, when you decide to turn from behaviors, what happens is that those behaviors are part of your character. And the reason the Spirit of God comes is because once you decide you don't want that behavior no more, but then the Spirit of God comes to, number one, clean you from that behavior, and number two, give you the power not to do the behavior again that you don't want to do. Then I'm going to amen. So the Spirit of God will come to clean you from the behavior and then give you the power not to do the behavior again. And that's why a lot of people struggle. A lot of people don't have a problem asking for the Spirit of God. A lot of people have a problem doing what it takes to receive the Spirit of God. See, when you come to that altar and you praying or wherever you may be and you're asking God over and over, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit. But then you're going back to things that you know the Word of God violates. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. You cannot receive the Spirit with an unrepentant heart. You cannot mend relationships with unrepentant hearts. See, true healing in relationships only can take place when people really repent from the heart. You can't have healthy relationships with unrepentant for violations. Now, listen to me. That word repent needs to be put in everybody's vocabulary. Because whether you have a relationship with God, whether you have a relationship with a spouse, whether you have a relationship with a friend, whether you have a relationship with a co-worker, whether you have a relationship with a child, every relationship at some point is going to require somebody to repent of a behavior that hurt the other person in the relationship. And relationships dissolve because somebody don't want to repent. Can I get an amen? I know it's a little chilly in here, but I feel good in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Listen to me, people. At some point in your life, you're going to have to repent of something. I'm going to put my hand up. Can I get any witnesses that you've had to do some repenting along the way? 
Do you never have to apologize to somebody? Do you never have to change some behavior? Do you ever have to go back and correct some things? Praise God. And that's why a lot of times you can't move forward in life because the only thing that can keep a person from repentance is what? I know y'all already know the answer. The only thing that will stop somebody from really repenting is their pride. Because repentance takes humility. Sometimes to repent, you can be embarrassed. Sometimes to go back, you got to get off your high horse and humble yourself. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes you got to expose some dirt about yourself. But if you really want to be in right standing with God, you got to do whatever it takes to make sure that things are done correctly, praise God. I know this is not a popular message in the modern church. I get it, but that's okay. Jesus came to call people to repentance. Can somebody say repent is not a bad word? Repent just is the first step to repairing something, praise God. You can't repair anything without repentance, praise God. Somebody say repent. <laughs> Come on, somebody say repent. <laughs> and listen, when you repent and praise God, what you're doing is, remember, that's not just words, y'all. Repentance, let me break this down. We're we going to break repentance down like we're in biology. Y'all remember y'all used to dissect frogs in biology? See, there's an emotional side to repentance, praise God. When you really are contrite and feel contrition, what makes you repent is that you realize that you harm somebody. What makes you repent is you realize that your behavior hurt God. You realize that you and God have a relationship and you realize that you can feel God pulling away from you. You can feel God is not as close to you as he once was. And the only thing that separates a man from his God is a man doing things that his God don't like. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Everybody going to need to repent sometime in their life. I don't care who you are. At some point, you're going to have to correct some things that you've done. And the reason God showed me the title, the power of repentance, because true repentance is the first step in healing yourself. The true repentance is the first step in you releasing hurt and pain and anger and bitterness and grudges. Praise God. Let me show you this. Let's go over here to Psalms chapter 51. Let's look at Psalms 51. Psalms 51, and we're going to just start from the top. And many of you know this story, praise God. But I'm going to walk you through David's mindset. See, and the reason I said this is because sometimes repentance, a person may just hear the word of God and it prick their heart and their conscience starts searching over things that they need to repent of. But then sometimes God will have a Nathan in your life. A Nathan is somebody in your life that don't have respect for your position, that don't have respect for who you are, that don't have respect for your title. They're only going to be moved by what God has told them to say. Praise God. And if you live in life without a Nathan, then you are setting yourself up for failure. Come in if you know you need Nathan to come before you and let you know that the behavior that you're walking in is not pleasing to God. A lot of churches, they don't want Nathan. They want the, they want the ones that, that Elijah slaughtered. There was a story, and as I go into this and for a reference, I looked into this story today. The Syrians were after Israel. A lot of you know this story. And when the Syrians were after Israel, Jehoshaphat, they were getting ready to go to war. 
And so they've been going to ask a question. They've been going to say, will we prosper if we go to this war because God has given us the land? And they called him and they say, well, where are the prophets? They had 400 prophets that came out and they told the king just what he wanted to hear. They said, king, you're going to go out to war and everything's going to go well and you're going to have great success, great victory, all of this. All right. And then the Jehoshaphat, one of them then got smart and they say, is this all the prophets that they have around here? And he said, well, they got one of them sitting in the dungeon. And he never tell me anything good. All he, every time he opened his mouth, is only evil. He said, go get him. He said, go get him. He said, I want Micaiah to come up. He, what he was saying is, this is a crucial moment in the history of this country, and I don't need somebody that's just going to tell me something that's not true. I need Micaiah to come and speak when God is thinking, praise God. You need a Nathan. You need to pray. And you need to pray and ask God, God, put Nathans in my life. Somebody that's going to tell me when my attitude is bad. Somebody that's going to tell me that I'm watching things I shouldn't watch. Somebody that's going to tell me I'm going places I shouldn't go. God, put a Micaiah in my life. Micaiah is going to let me know that this thing is getting ready to ruin you. This thing is getting ready to destroy your marriage. This thing is, you need Micaiahs and Nathans in your life. You don't need people in your life that's going to be in your corner and just tell you what you want to hear. You need somebody that's going to, that's why God set it up that way to have people in your corner that can look you in the eye and tell you things that can help you get yourself strong. Can I get an amen, church? And the beautiful thing about Micaiah, Micaiah was already in the dungeon. Micaiah didn't have nothing. The only thing Micaiah had going for him was that he was loyal to God. Micaiah didn't care if he told you and you put him back in the dungeon. Micaiah wasn't looking for any rewards. Micaiah couldn't be bought out. There was nothing you could offer him but that would make him alter what God had put in his mouth to speak. Now you telling me, do you rather 400 prophets that's going to tell you what you want to hear or one Micaiah that's going to be courageous enough and tell you what God is saying so that you can make some corrections? What you rather? You rather Micaiah, right? Because Micaiah can help you be saved. Nathan can help you be saved, praise God. I want a Micaiah. I want Micaiah to come and say, hey, preach. I don't like the way you did that. God ain't pleased. And that's what I'm supposed to do. Man, I appreciate you, man. Let me, let me pray about that. Let me, let me, brother, I don't care. How many of you ever, I mean, when you get married, you gonna, somebody going to have to repent along the way. See, all the marriages they put on TV like everything is they go into the sunset and, and they go ride off and they act like they never have problems. That ain't real. That's the beginning. That, it don't stay like that. Because why? Because the scripture says there's two things happening. There's a continual evolving into oneness, two minds merging. And that's while you're becoming one, you're also growing. You're not, me at 43 is not the same person I was at 21 when I got married. So I'm going to steadily be growing. I'm going to steadily be involved. My views and, and things, the way I do things is going to change. So will my wife. And in that, that quest to become one, that's a continual quest. And sometimes I may have to go back and say, I apologize for what I did. And how long should it take you to apologize? soon as you did it. 
Don't let it linger. Don't let it rest. Don't, don't stop until you achieve reconciliation. There is no reconciliation, people of God, without repentance. Somebody, can, I, can somebody say repent? Come on, church. Can somebody say repent? Can y'all type that online, repent? God is calling us to repentance. If we want the land to be healed, we got to start repenting. If we want anything to be repaired, but there is no repairing without repentance. <laughs> Praise God. So let's look over here. Nathan came to David. And Nathan let David know, amen, that God saw how he had what happened with Bathsheba and her husband. God was letting him know, hey, man, I saw this and I'm not pleased with this behavior. When it came, when Nathan came to David, look at David's response. Now, I'm going to break this down and I'm going to walk you through this to show you the emotional side of repentance and what it looks like. First thing David said was this, have mercy upon me, O God. See, when you call into repentance, you know that a sentence of judgment is upon you. And the reason you're asking for mercy is because you know what you did God is not pleased with. And the only way to escape it is if God is merciful or he don't give you the sentence that you deserve for what you did. He said, according to thy love and kindness. See, now he's appealing to the love and kindness of God. He said, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, Look what he said, blot out my transgressions. The reason he said blot out my transgressions, because what David was saying was, this transgression is in me now. He said, not only forgive me what I did for what I did, he said, but I need you to take the desires of this out of me. Because what David realized was, the thing that he did was one with Bathsheba, but it led him to also being a murderer. It led him to also develop in the mind. See, that's how sin is. You're not going to just get involved in one. Because once you get involved in one, now you got to come up with the mind to cover it up. So the violation was one thing, but then the cover up was another thing. So what David was saying is, God, I need, not only do I need you to, to forgive me, but I need you to get the desire out of it and the way my mind is working. Because now my mind is working like a wicked man. See, true repentance will clean you up. Let's go to the next one. He says, wash me thoroughly, hallelujah, Lord, from my iniquity. This, a pray, this, this man praying right here. He said, and clean me from my sin, praise God. He says, for I acknowledge my transgression. Now he put a comma, a colon. But look at, he didn't say transgression, saints. He said transgressions. Because what David was saying is, one thing led to another. He said, first it just started with me going on the roof. And then it, the, the cycle of this thing ended in me having this man killed. He said, so God, the only way I can get past this is if you have to get the desire of it out, you've got to get it out of my mind, you've got to take all of this away from me because I know you're going to forgive me. But if you don't clean me, I'm going to do it again. Praise God. He said, against the only. See, this is what repentance is acknowledging who you hurt. See, when you really repent, you're acknowledging, God, I know you're not pleased with what I'm doing. God, I know this has hurt you. God, I know this has upset, upset you. And God, I acknowledge I have sinned. He said, and I've done this evil in your sight. 
that thou mightest be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Praise God. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin my mother did conceive me. Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part that thou shalt make me to know wisdom. See, now David's addressing where this thing lived. He said, purge me with hyssop and I'll be clean. He said, wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. What he was telling God is this. God, you're not just interested in me saying some words. And not only are you not interested in me just saying some words, but you also, just like I know, I realize that this sin is now part of my character. And your desire is not just to forgive me, but you don't even want this violation to be in who I am. You don't even want it in my personality. You don't even want me with a mind to cover up. You don't even want me with a mind to plot. You don't even want me with a mind to scheme. He said, and in my hidden parts, I make me no wisdom. In other words, put the word of God in my spirit. Put the word of God in my soul. Put your word where all the conniving live. Put your word where all the manipulation and the deceit live. He said, put your word in that hidden part, in that inner man that nobody know about. Instead of me plotting at three in the morning, let me think about your word at three in the morning. Hallelujah, Lord. David knew that. He said, I know you're going to forgive me, but if you don't clean me, if you don't clean me, I will do it again. <laughs> Praise God. He said, make me to hear joy and make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. What David is talking about, he's talking about whenever you're coming through uh, uh, something that damages a relationship. What he's acknowledging is the spirit of the relationship has changed. When you're walking with God and your relationship with God is free and clear and there's no tension in the air between you and God, that's a certain type of energy. You know you and God is okay. You can feel that. You feel that in your spirit. But after you do something that you know God is not pleased with, you can feel that separation from God. You can feel God has lifted away. You can feel God is not as close to you. How many of you can bear witness to what I'm talking about? You can tell when God is right there close by you and God is. You may not acknowledge it, but I can tell. See, the Holy Ghost will deal with you. Because it's his job to keep you connected to God. And when you do something, you, you can't ignore what you're feeling. But what David was saying is, I know the vibe in this relationship is not right. Can I get an Amen. David said, God, I know, God, I know I can't just walk in your house right now and act like I didn't do this. He said, but I do desire to get back into a point to where me and you are like we were before I did the violation. He said, so God, now I'm asking you to restore the good energy between me and you. Restore the good vibe. And so it is in, in human relationships. You can feel that. You know that, praise God. And you want, you, want, you, want the, you want all of that to be good, praise God. And the only way you can keep healthy relationships is whenever things go to the left or right, you got to restore that with repentance. Oh, my God. I hope somebody going to hear me today. Hallelujah. Without, and I'm just showing you the anatomy of repentance. All right. 
He say, hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. See, what, what David is appealing to is he know that when God forgive you, God is not like a man. But David was saying, look, I already feel bad for what I've done, but I want to start coming back into your house with no memory of what I've done. I want you to treat me, God, like I never did it. See, that's how you want God to be with you. God is not going to hold things against you. Once God can send a Nathan or a Micaiah or a word or a sister or a brother to you, can you acknowledge it and you turn from it? God done with it because the objective is to get you to turn. And then once the objective of you turning is accomplished, God is done with that situation. I said, God don't hold grudges against you. God is not a human being. God is not going to bring that up next week. God is not going to bring that up in a month. But once you're done with it and you repent the way God wants you to repent, it's over with, praise God. And as God's children, we should treat one another the same way. The scripture said if you go to somebody and you tell them, hey, this is where the violation occurred. Can they repent of it? Can they acknowledge it? And they say, hey, I did do that. And they turn from it. And they say, I'm never going to do that again. You should never bring it up if you forgive Praise God. If you do it like God do it, then you, now, if you see a behavior change, then you don't have the right to bring that up no more. Because God is not going to keep rehearsing something if there's a behavior change. And neither should his people, praise God. But if there is no behavior change, then guess what? There is no repentance. Now look what he said. Creating me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit in me. What David is saying, now y'all know what David is saying. He's saying, God, my heart has been contaminated. And I need you to, only you can go in this heart and put a a brand new desire in me. A brand new spirit in me. He said, I can't create a new spirit on my own. People, the word of God can literally come in your heart and put God's ways in you. It can literally change your heart. It can literally change your mind and your desires. That's why if you open up to the word of God and you allow that word of God to come in, Jesus said this, you are clean through the words that I've spoken to you. This word can clean you, praise God. Hallelujah. He said, cast me not away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. All David was saying is, Lord, I just want this relationship repaired. And some of you, many, many people, Christian people, need to repent before God. And this is a call. This is a call. If, if there's anything in your mind, if there's anything in your conscience, if there's anything in your heart, if you know Praise God that the spirit of God been dealing with you and your conscience been dealing with you. Can you know that there's things that you've been walking in? Can you know that you need to, number one, thank God that his conscience, your conscience is still dealing with you. And number two, thank God that you're hearing what God is really thinking. God is really, really thinking today, calling people for behavior changes. This is what God is thinking. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with your free spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. He said, then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted unto you. See, that's how powerful true repentance is. See, true repentance 
is not just going to impact you. True repentance is going to start impacting those around you, praise God. See, you got to get out of the selfish mind. See, to be a true Christian, true Christians can't live just for themselves. Praise God. Because if you're in relationship with your spouse and somebody don't repent, that can affect the whole household. Oh, my God. Amen. See, when you care about the kids, when you care about the energy of the house, then you got to be mature enough and say, you know what? i got to make sure that I'm raising my kids to see a good example. Because when I do something that's not pleasing to God, they need to see that even me as the father or the mother know how to repent and make things right. How many of you know your little kids watching you, praise God? And they watching how you handle matters, praise God. And whether you like it or not, you got to be an example. Hallelujah, Lord. He said, deliver me from blood guiltiness. Now, this is a part I really wanted to park on. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. And my tongue, and he put a coal in there, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. What David was saying is, God, now I know you forgive me. He said, but I just can't forgive myself. He said, God, I can't get over this. I feel so guilty. I let you down. I let my wife down. I let my kids down. He said, I just, and so what David was saying, see, that, this is the anatomy of repentance, y'all. See, you got to acknowledge it. You got to change your behavior. You got to get clean from it. Let me slow that part down. I want to give you the anatomy of repentance. First, you got to hear of Nathan or Micaiah to tell you what you're doing is not pleasing to God or your spouse, or your children, or whatever. Then after you hear that, you got to acknowledge it. Praise God. Then after you acknowledge it, you got to go to God and confess it and say, God, this is what I've done. And then once you go before God and you acknowledge it and you confess this is what I've done, then you got to believe that you can't go back to that behavior. Then once you don't go back to that behavior, now you got to deal with the emotional battle that you're going to have of not being able to forgive yourself. And you got to ask God to remove that guilt off of you so you can start moving forward, praise God. He said, so that my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness, praise God. Verse 15, he says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Praise God. For thou desires not sacrifice. He said, else I would give that. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Because David said, if it just took me throwing a gift to you. See, this is a point right here. I just, I feel this. If you hurt somebody, don't go buy them some roses. And don't go buy them flowers. You tell me a hurt person rather than change behavior Instead of getting hurt again. What's good if you give me flowers, then you punch me in the face again? I'd rather, if you're going to make a choice, just change your behavior and keep the flowers. But now, if you change your behavior and give me some flowers, okay, now we're on our way. But if you, you don't have to, what David is saying is, God, I know I'm not going to sit up here and just try to throw you a gift without behavior change. But David is saying is, God, I know you require a behavior change more than me bringing some bulls up here to burn. 
Lord, don't, now y'all don't get quiet on me. Y'all, y'all don't do that to me today. Anybody, I'm going to let y'all keep that to yourself. Anybody, you know they you know they know they hurt you, and they just try to call you or give you a gift like nothing happened. Anybody ever been there? Y'all ever been there? And you just waiting, and you just waiting, and they just, man, let's go hoop. And you like, go hoop? What about this? What about this? <laughs> let's, let's get this. Because the spirit is wrong. Praise God. Amen? And David said, God, I'm not going to just give you a gift. I'm going to change my behavior. Somebody say, God don't want a gift. Y'all preach with me today. Somebody say, God don't want a gift. He want behavior change. Somebody say, prove it. Y'all know we kind of prove things around it. Jesus said this, if you coming into the altar with a gift, <laughs> he said, you got a gift for God. And he said, when you get there, you remember that you got a damaged relationship. Look what he said. Man, it's so beautiful. He said, Nothing wrong with your gift. He said, but just leave it right there. He said, you don't even have to take it back with you. You, you don't have to take your gift and put it in your pocket. They say the gift is okay, but priority is that relationship. They say, now after that relationship is healed, then come on back and give God your gift. But all God is saying is, if you know that there's damage, don't hop over the damage Look to repair it, praise God. Because the sacrifices of God, look what God's saying. The real sacrifice of God is a broken, now we talk, now we get into repentance, a broken spirit. See, when your spirit is broken, that's an emotional. See, there is no repentance without an emotional feeling. See, you don't have to, because when people are hurt, it's emotions that are hurt. And what David said was, God is not concerned more so about the gift. He's more concerned about the relationship between you and him. Then he said, when your spirits break, are broken and contrite, broken just simply means you feel bad for what you did. Contrition. When you reach contrition, you're ready to turn from it. Praise God. You broke, and it don't matter how you get broken. If it happens because you just have a good conscience, or if Nathan tell you, Micaiah tell you, you come to church and you hear the word of God, God is not, hey, as long as you come to being broken. And once you become broken and contrite, he say, God won't despise it. In other words, a broken and a contrite spirit it moves God. God can't see somebody crying to him out of contrition and out of being sorrowful and out of being remorseful. Can he just turn away from you? God, it, 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 it touches God. It moves him. Praise God. When you really humble and you apologize to him for what you did. He said, God can't despise a broken and a contrite spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion, to build out the walls of Jerusalem. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Hallelujah. God is looking for behavior change. You should look for behavior change because you want to keep 
When you come into the house of God, amen, this is a place to hear from God. And any issue you have with God, or any, this is where you come so that you can come before God and acknowledge it. And, and just, man, repentance is good for the soul, y'all. Amen. You can't release grudges. You can't release bitterness. You can't release anger. You can't release these things. Amen. But when people coming together and they're going before God in repentance and repenting to one another, that's the facilitation of healing, praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. Luke chapter 15. Let's go in this, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And he, okay, so look what he said, verse 11. See, and I, I got this point I want to leave with you, praise God. I want to make sure I get all of that to you. <laughs> Amen. We're going to go into Luke chapter 11. Let's go there real quick. And he said, and he's giving you the story of the prodigal son, and he's just going to show you how God feels, and we need to know how God viewed this. And not only this, God is giving this parable as an example of how we should be with one another as well. And he said, a certain man had two sons. He said, and the, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that befall me, that falls to me. And he divided unto him his living. His father said, okay, I'll give you everything that belongs to you. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. And he took his journey to a far country. And he wasted his substance with rioters living. Praise God. And he went and he spent everything. And then he reached a point where a mighty famine rose in the land. And he began to go lacking. And then he went and he joined himself into the citizens of that country, a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk of the swine that the swine did eat. And no man gave him anything. He found himself in a bad spot. And when he came to himself, see, this is what you, out of all of this story, this is the part of the story that we should be the most thankful for. When you find yourself in a position to come to yourself, to start realizing I'm better than this, to start realizing we are better than this, to start realizing that God has called us to a better standard of living. God has called us to live a better quality of life than that. God, see, you come into yourself and you're starting to realize that the sins, the things, the behavior that I'm getting involved in is devaluing who I am as a person. And he started to remember, man, I'm a royal lineage. I'm a royal seed. God, he said, then he started to talk. Then he said, how many of my high servants in my father's house have bread and extra to spare. He said the people that's in the house of God, literally they just servants of my father. And they got more than what I got. And here I am a son and I'm depressed. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all, what the man was trying to take you into is how Christians allow the behaviors that they get entangled in to rob them of the peace and the joy and the righteous standard of living that God has called them to live. And that's what he was saying. 
He was saying the, 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 it doesn't matter if you in the house of God and you don't even have a, a title. You don't even have a position. But if you serving God, you got peace in your heart. You got joy in your heart. You got liberty in your soul. And he said, here I am out here depressed. My spirit is broken. I keep getting messed over in the world. I don't have good relationships. Everything going wrong. I'm addicted to this and that. And they got people that's living for God than just the least person in the church living a better spiritual quality of life than me. He said, man, I need to get myself together. He said, um, he said I now real, and this is something to be thankful for. You need to thank God when your mind still functions in a way to where you can hear the call of repentance and you can hear it and move. That's something to be thankful for. If, if this word of God is pricking your heart, you need to thank God because the person that I fear is they hear this word of God and they say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. The scripture said if a man say he have no sin, he make God a liar. What that is saying is this. If you read something in the Bible and you know God has identified it by definition a behavior that he don't like, can you say nothing wrong with that? You making God a liar. Praise God. And you don't want to do that. Praise God. But if the word of God is coming to you and it's dealing with your heart, you need to say, God, I thank you that I still have a conscience and a heart to respond when the word of God is dealing with me. Because if you reach a point to where you can hear the call of repentance and it don't move you, then you need to become afraid because now you got a conscience that's not responding to the call of God. And that's a scary place to be. The scriptures calls it a conscience that's seared with a hot iron. <laughs> Amen. And you never want to, you need to say, God, I thank you. God, I thank you that I have a heart that's still soft enough to respond. I thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. Somebody say God is calling us to repentance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody say repentance means behavior change. Hallelujah. So look what he said. I will arise. Somebody say I will arise. Somebody say, I'm better than this. Somebody say, devil, you've been fighting me too long. You've been robbing my peace too long. You've been robbing my joy too long. Say some God, listen to me. A lot of times you are not enjoying the peace and the joy simply because all you need to do is take the next step and acknowledge, man, I just need to repent. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to do. And true repentance puts you right back in the presence of God. True repentance put relationships right back where they were before it happened. And if you uh, see, if somebody, if somebody really a, a repent and somebody you repent and that don't fix it, then you need to move on. But if you really repent and you know that, that's all you can do is repent. And once you repent, you know that you clear yourself with God. And once you clear yourself with God, you got to live with that and keep moving. Praise God. I'm trying to help the church today. Praise God. But never get so proud to what the Holy Ghost dealing with you to repent and you don't repent. Because you're heading into a dangerous place. You're heading into a category called having a form of godliness. But denying the power. 
See, the power of God does many things. The power of God heals the sick. The power of God raises the dead. But the power of God also deals with us when it's time to repent. See, we can't just walk in the glamour of the power of God and see blinded eyes open, things like that. But the power of God also has no problem with getting in your conscience and telling you, I don't like what you did. I don't like what you said. Don't go here. Don't watch that. One of the attributes of the spirit of God is that it comes to reprove the world of sin. I feel like I'm preaching an old time holiness message. That's, I feel that's how I feel. But that's what we need. Sometimes you need some vegetables. Huh? You can't just eat cake all of the time. You're gonna, your body going to be out of balance. I can't just throw number six all of the time. Sometimes you need to know that you need to apologize to your husband. You need to apologize to your wife. You need to apologize to your kids. So you, you need to come to church and hear the whole counsel of God. Amen? Can I get an amen in here today? Don't y'all say, well, I didn't come to church to hear that today. But repentance is powerful, y'all, because that's what starts the healing. You can't heal without it. And if you want to heal, you got to start repenting before God. And as you do that, like we broke that word down, you'll start to find God healing you, praise God. Hallelujah. I want to be healthy, praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. True repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. True repentance is a behavior change. And it's a broken heart. It's a heart of contrition. It's being sorrowful. It's being remorseful. It's really considering the other person or God that you have hurt them. See, what we kind of realize is when God gives us things to obey and we don't, we literally hurt him. Because God realizes that the relationship will sever because God can't fellowship with unrighteousness. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Never be too proud to get off your high horse and repent. Amen. Always keep this vocabulary word as one of the most important words in your Christian walk. Because there's going to be times. Now, when I thought about this on the doctrinal side, You can receive the Holy Ghost and walk in the Holy Ghost and never sin again in your life. The Bible says that. You can literally walk in the power of God and walk clean from the time you get the Holy Ghost to the time he brings you to glory. The power of God can do that for you. And God also put in there, if any man sin, if he acknowledges that God is faithful to clean him and forgive it. He didn't put in there for us to make excuses for it. He didn't put it nowhere in the Bible for us to anticipate and make excuses for it and say, I'm going to do it. Because what happens is when you live off that premise, you're not going to be so quick to repent. You're going to justify it and accept it, praise God. But know this doctrinally. God has put it in the Bible to where when you receive the Holy Ghost, you can walk a blameless life all the way till you get to glory. And he also put in the Bible, little children, if any man sin, he has an advocate with the Father that can forgive him and clean him, praise God. Now, that's the whole concept right there. God can keep you from it, but if you do it, he can forgive you and clean you. So don't let nobody tell you you have to do it. You don't have to do it. The power of God can keep you from it. 
Oh, man, I believe we need to hear that. <laughs> the power of God can keep you from it. Amen. Somebody say true repentance is behavior change. Church, I really want to leave that with y'all because I remember when Jesus wrote to that church in the book of Revelations, he said, I know your works. I know all of this about you. Jesus said, I know your whole rest. The bad thing about it is when people get before Christ, they're going to read their resume. But Jesus told this church, I already know your resume. He said, I already know your title in church. I already know your works. I already know all your mission trips. I already know how you fed the homeless. I already know all the things you did in my name. I know everything you did. He said, but I have something against you that I don't like. He said, and repent lest I come quickly. See, it's not a bad thing. What's bad is when you go to church all year after year and you never realize when it's on the heart of God that there's some things in your life that he's not pleased with. Why would anybody want to go to church and never know that God is really not pleased with some of their behavior? Who would want to go to a church that never convicts their heart, that never challenges their walk, that never challenges their mind? Why would you want to waste your time Going, what's the point of a savior coming if he didn't set up a church to help you get prepared for glory? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So let's finish over here in Luke. And I just want to show you God's disposition. He said, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. Hallelujah, Lord. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. That's contrition, y'all. He said, make me as one of the high servants. See, when you really repent, you just thanking God for salvation. Do not worry about the mic. Do not worry about singing. Do not worry about your title. You just thanking God. God, I thank you for another opportunity just to be in the house of God. God, I thank you that I'm not in a club. God, I thank you that I'm not involved in promiscuous things. God, I'm just thankful. That you gave me another chance. God, I'm just thankful that I didn't die on Simcoe. God, I'm just thankful that I didn't die in the club. I'm just happy to see real repentance is just happy to be back in the house of God. When you really repent and God forgive you, you ain't worried about nothing but being back in right standing with God. Praise God. That man didn't say, I'm coming back into my father's house and I'm kicking this one out the way and I'm moving that one out the way. He said, Father, I just want to be home. See, when you really repent, you just want things to be right, praise God. And he arose and he came to his father. Oh, but look at God. Church, this is what you need to know about God. He said, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. When you really have the spirit of God, you are looking forward to the day when repentance happens. The, the Bible says this son was thinking in his mind, I just want to get back to my father's house. And the father was thinking in his mind, I just can't wait till my son get himself together and come home. And when he got there, can you imagine how surprising that was? He know he wasted all of his inheritance. He know he, he devalued his family name. He brought shame. And he, to his surprise, all he saw when he got back to church was his father like this. 
All God is saying is, I just want you to get it right. God is saying, I just want my son home. I just want my daughter home. I just want you back in right standing. I'm not going, we don't have to talk about why you left. We don't have to bring it up. We don't have to, I just want you home. God said, I just want you home. And when the son came, look what the father did. He said, go get that calf. Y'all, that's where steak meat come from. In other words, God, heaven, the scripture says when one sinner repent. Y'all, we think that when we doing and we bring somebody into Christ and, and that person, we know that that person is living and they what we call in the world. And the church gets excited when somebody comes from the world and they turn to Christ. But heaven is also excited when people that's sitting in church become sinners again but never left church and they repent. How many of you know there are sinners in church that need to repent? You got sinners that's been ushering for 30 years. You got, sin- you got sinners. I mean, listen to me. You got sinners in pulpits. You got sinners all over churches, all over. And God gets just as excited when a sinner in church repents as when somebody that's supposedly in the world repents. How many of you know you can be a sinner in church? And God is excited. Any sinner that turns from sin, God gets excited. Somebody say this is a call for repentance. (laughs) Hallelujah. Repentance is a behavior change, y'all. Hallelujah, Lord. It's a behavior change. And he said his son, the father went, and the son said, Father. See, this is real repentance, y'all. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Hallelujah. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the what kind of robe? What kind of robe he said go get? You got I want you to understand how heaven is feeling. When you repent today, God is not even thinking about what you did up until this altar call. If you repenting in your heart, all oh, God is saying, restore back to them the best like it never happened. He said, put it and put that robe on them. But that robe was an identifier of who that was. God wanted everybody to know my royal son is back in the kingdom. He didn't say, go just grab a shirt. No, his robe identified him. What God is saying is, what that is saying is, the gift and the callings of God is without repentance. Your identity in Christ doesn't change. When you come back to God, everything that God has called you to be is still there. Praise God. He's saying, put it on him and put a ring on his hand. Do y'all know what the ring signified? That's how they used to sign documents. See, when you repent, your authority in the spirit is not on probation. God don't put you on probation spiritually when you repent. When God put that ring or that authority or that signet right back on you. When you repent and walk out of church, you should feel like you can cast a devil out like you never did nothing wrong. Somebody say no more mind battles. When you get it right, you put that ring on and you sign them documents in your father's name. Praise God. Hallelujah, Lord. You, you got the authority. You got your robe on to identify who you are. 
because you got your authority back to walk like you never left. Oh, my God. I say God is going to put your robe back on and let the world know you're a Christian again. And he's going to put that power in you so the devil can know you're still walking in authority. Hallelujah, Lord. And he put it on his hand and he put shoes on his feet, praise God. And he brought the fat calf and he killed it. They started eating ribeyes. He said, now let's make merry. Let's eat. He said, because my son that was dead is alive again. And he was lost and now he found. And they begin to be merry. Everybody was being excited because the lost child was recovered, praise God. And this is what you got to get past. I call this the crowd. I call this the noise. I call this the noise. I remember when, y'all remember in 2010, how many of you know LeBron James? I got to give y'all something. Y'all remember the decision when he went to Miami? Well, this is what Eric's supposed to. Y'all remember all the media attention? And y'all remember every, I mean, everything they did, it was on Sports Center. It was all over. Everybody was watching. Y'all remember that? So look what, look what happened. Eric Spolster told his team this, and that's what I call this right here. He told his team this. We are a team that gets a lot of attention. He said, we're going to call it noise. He said, if it doesn't come out of this locker room, then it don't matter what they're saying on TV. It don't matter what the audience is saying. It don't matter what the crowd is saying. And this with this elder son, that elder son, he just represented noise. Because everybody was excited that the son was home, but you always going to have noise on the side questioning, well, why God did this and why God did that? The elder son was out there in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing, praise God. And he, that didn't sit well with him. So he called one of the servants and he said, what's going on? He said, why this brother or this sister walking out of church happy and excited and smiling? Well, what's going on over there? This person walked out of the presence of God feeling justified, so they were happy. But you always going to have them hypocrites that's on the side. I'm warning you. Always going to have them hypocrites on the side, want to keep you in bondage and remind you of what you did, praise God. You put that in the category of noise because once heaven forgives you and once God releases you of that, it don't matter what nobody else has to say because Paul told that Roman church, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who are walking after the spirit and not the flesh. They say, who is it that died for you? It's Christ that died for you. And he said, if Christ is not charging you, nobody can charge you. This is the gospel. And he said, your brother came home. And your father killed the fat cat because he received him safe and sound. Hallelujah, Lord. And the brother got angry, Lord. You, everybody's not going to be in your corner pulling for you to be successful. Everybody's not in your corner hoping you become a man of God, a woman of God, a pastor, an entrepreneur. Some people wish that you, when you got caught up in the world, you would have died out there. And some people wish that problem would have caused you to go bankrupt. You got to know that. But how do you deal with that? You keep your heart pure and you keep moving forward in what God has called you to be. You can't apologize for being blessed. I need to say that again. You don't apologize because you are doing all of the things it takes to be blessed and successful and live a righteous life. You don't apologize for that. But you do have to calculate the noise that's going to come your way. 
And you got to be mentally tough enough to keep moving forward and pushing through that noise. The brother got angry and he wouldn't even go in. He wasn't, everybody not going to rejoice when you rejoice. So his father came out and his father went greet him and he said, what's wrong with you? And he said, his brother started to tell him why he was upset. He said, he said, I've been with you. The brother got angry and his father treated him. Verse 29. And his son answered, father, I've been with you all these years. I served you. I didn't transgress at any time. And you never gave me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. Hallelujah, Lord. What a bad attitude. What a bad attitude. But as soon as this son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fattest cow. Hallelujah, Lord. And he said to his son, he said, son, you are forever with me. And everything that I have is yours. How many of you know it's good to maintain a righteous life? Amen. God is not devaluing your righteous life. It's good for you to keep your righteous standard. But if peradventure one of the sheep get lost and one of the sheep go astray, the scripture says that you leave the 99 and you go get the one. The worst thing that one needs when they're coming back into the fold is the 99 to be mad that they will recover safe and sound. The 99 need to have the same spirit of the shepherd. When one comes back into the fold, the 99 should be rejoicing just like heaven is, praise God. And that's how you want to be. When your brothers and sisters come back to Christ, you want to be in the same, you want to be in alignment with heaven and welcome them and make them feel like they're at home and can feel like they never left. You don't want to be a part of the crowd that make people feel uncomfortable after they repent. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And it was me that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and he is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And let me tell you what I applaud the father for. <laughs> As I look into that story, something about this father, the way he managed that situation is really touching to me. Even though the son, he managed his two sons. He's teaching me something about managing people. See, when you're a leader and you're managing people, that's challenging. That's not always easy to do. But each, each character in that story, see, a good father, he's going to manage each child. And he's going to validate the feelings of each child. I'm trying to help you. The, father, the child that came back, the father was happy that he came back. But he also managed the emotions of the child that was disgruntled because he didn't want the child to get so disgruntled that he left. So he wanted to explain to the child that wasn't happy at the time, hey, everything that I have is yours, but my son was dead and he's alive. And anything you need is already there for you. See, when you're managing people, you got to realize everybody's feelings matter, praise God. That's what's good leadership right there, and that just spoke to me. Amen. When you're a true father, a true leader, amen, you don't want to see nobody lost. You want the 99 to stay intact. You want the one to come back. And then you want the one and the 99 to get along together. Hallelujah. You don't want the 99 to make the one feel bad. You don't want the one to feel less than the 99. You want all hundred of them. You want them all feeling the same love and compassion. Oh, my God, what a good father. Amen. Amen. 
So I thank y'all for joining in today. Amen. We're getting ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. As we get ready to close, amen, I pray, amen, that I spoke something, that the Spirit of God spoke something. Amen. Remember the power of repentance. Every Christian should make sure that they put that vocabulary word in their heart. Because whenever you need to repent, never let pride get in the way of you repenting. And remember, repentance is being broken. It's being contrite. And that leads to behavior change. Amen. That's the anatomy of repentance. When you really repent, amen, you're going to change behavior. And when you really repent, amen, heaven is not holding anything against you. The God don't want to talk about it. The scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. God don't want to bring it up. So I don't care. Y'all stand up. I'm done. We're getting ready to go, praise God. We're getting ready to go. Amen. Today we talked about repentance. Remember, you can be in church and need to repent. Remember in the revelations, he spoke to that church about repentance. Amen. I don't care what it is, amen, that you feel you need to repent of. How big, how small, and everywhere in between. Everybody at some point needs to repent. And what you need to do, praise God, is add this to your, add this to your repertoire. Add this attribute right here. The ability to take wrong. Because James, one apostle, he began to write, and he said, why not rather take wrong? He said, suffer yourself to be defrauded. Sometimes when you're moving into repairing and repenting, you may feel like you don't have to. But sometimes you may do it for the sake of salvaging the other person or your salvation. He said, why not rather take the wrong? What he's saying is somebody got to be mature enough and love the relationship enough to take the wrong for the sake of repairing. Praise God. Amen. You can't be to the point to where you care more about how you feel than the health of the relationship. Praise God. It takes a mature mindset to take wrong for the sake of keeping a relationship together. Praise God. You got to be mature to do that. Hallelujah. So as we get ready for prayer this morning, I thank God for you. Hallelujah. And remember, apologizing and repenting, that don't make you weak. That really makes you strong. Because what it does is it keeps God on your side. Hallelujah. So even if you look weak in the eyes of another human, you're strong with God. And I'd rather look strong in God's eyes. Because when I need God, I want him to be by my side. And Lord knows right now we need the Lord more than ever. So don't let anything get in your way. You want to make sure that God is on your side and that God is walking with you. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking about it. I know we don't have the altar calls like we do. But I remember as the gospel started moving forth in the book of Acts how. And I want y'all to think about this thought. I want y'all to capture this. Whenever they were preaching in the book of Acts, the scriptures talked about how they brought their magic books and how they brought uh, everything they relied on. And they were bringing it to that pile and they were burning it. And you got to think about it. If you get caught up in horoscopes and voodoo and fornication and lying, anything that you can think of that has been plaguing you, any addiction, when you really repent, those, see, God is going to help you repent. 
Because this is what God is going to do. As you go on before God and you repent, what you need to do is ask God, God, show me everything inside of me that I may be doing that you're not pleased with. And as the Spirit of God, if you're so blessed and the Spirit of God graces your mind to bring to your spirit things that you need to repent of, just let it go. Because the devil is going to come to you when you start moving into the spirit of repentance. The devil is going to start bringing up to you. Well, what about this? Are you sure you want to give that up? And you sure you're not going to be as the spirit of God brings things to your mind. Make up in your mind. God, I don't care what it is. If you show me that I need to let this go, I'm letting it go. Hallelujah. I remember when I received the Holy Ghost and this story is relevant to today. I was praying in the back room. I went to a Bible study for a few days. I felt the Spirit of God resting on me. Brother uh, Pastor Tucker came to Dillard, bless him, amen, and he began to preach, and I, he preached a revival, and it pricked my heart, and I began to repent. And I remember I started going to this Bible study, and God started dealing with me on things to get rid of as I learned about the Holy Ghost, and I wanted it. And I went to that Bible study, and I didn't get it, and the Spirit of God led me to pray. And I went in my mother's, my grandmother's back room in, in Iowa, Louisiana on Bower Street. And I went in that back room, praise God. And I just got on my knees and I began to repent and I began to call on God. And as I'm praying to God, I can remember things coming to my mind, you know, different behaviors. And I had to make sure that I was ready to give that up. And as I felt it in my heart, I reached a point in my heart that I really surrendered. And as God brought it to my mind, I started saying, God, I give this up. God, and when he brought it to me, I said, God, I give that up. I said, God, I think. And as I kept giving things up and as the Holy Ghost, then all of a sudden I felt the Spirit of God come over me. And when the Spirit of God came over me, amen, I started speaking in tongues. And as that started flowing out of me, I remember vividly, I opened my eyes. Because I, there was such a strong presence in that room, I opened my eyes and I was like, and then I started listening because I was speaking and it was so, as the spirit was speaking, I started listening because I, I was like, what am I saying? But I was so caught up in what was going on, I knew I was the spirit of God that came over me. I knew that, but I still was curious because I was, and I literally, I didn't even understand. But I knew in my heart that God had filled me with the Holy Ghost. And it only came as I made up in my mind that anything God put in my heart while I was praying that I needed to let go of, I let it go. Saints of God, let us capture that spirit. As we get ready to go in prayer, the Spirit of God is going to deal with you. Hallelujah, Lord. And as he deal with you, and as he bring things to your mind that may need for correcting and repenting of, yield to it. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, as we humble ourselves today, God, I pray that the word of the Lord found somebody. Father, I pray that the word of God, hallelujah, go through the airway, God, that it would find somebody, God, right where they are, where they're in church. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I've read this online, God, of those that are going to watch at a later time, oh God. God, let them know, God, hallelujah, God, that with your spirit, 
has spoken, God, is that, God, you're calling us, God, to repentance, oh, God. God, but not thinking of it, oh, God, as, God, let us understand what repentance is, oh, God. God, that you're calling us to behavior changes, oh, God. God, you're calling us, oh, God, hallelujah. You, the Spirit of God, is calling us, oh, God. God, and if there's any sensitivity in our heart, God, if there's any sensitivity in our conscience, oh God, God, let the heart of man hear the word of God and repent. God, let him turn from his deeds, God, relationships that have been damaged because there's a lack of repentance. God, touch the heart. Bring contrition, oh God. God, bring humility, oh God. Break us before you, God. God, take out the stony hearts, God. God, that we don't make excuses not to repent. God, that we don't throw our titles before you. God, but if there's things we need to repent of, oh God, give us the humility to humble ourselves and move into repentance, oh God. God, we never want to be a people, God. Void of repentance, oh God. Oh God, remember God, it is sin, God. God, that we may have done, that I may have done. God, I lay it before you, God, and I repent, God, of anything, oh God. God, that is not pleasing to you, God. God, any mindset, God. God, any behavior, God. God, any words, oh God. God, I want a heart of flesh, oh God. God, I want my heart to be tender, God. God, that if you ever deal with me on repenting, oh God. God, that I humble myself, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Let my conscience be healthy, God, so that the Spirit of God can speak to me, God. Let my heart be tender, God, so that the Spirit of God can deal with me, Lord God. Take out the stony heart, God. We don't want stony hearts. Forgive us of our transgressions. God, let us not cover them up, God. God, because we can't get healed that way, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God, the only way you can wash us, God, the only way you can heal us, hallelujah. God, the only way you can free us, God, the only way you can help us and strengthen us, God. God, the only way you can fix marriages is through repentance. God, the only way you can fix friendships is through repentance. God, the only way you can feel the sin of man is through repentance. We repent, God. We turn from every behavior. Hallelujah, Lord God. And things that we may not even be aware of, God, bring it to us, God. God, let brothers and sisters be burdened for one another. God, and give the saints courage, God. God, that if they see sin upon their brother, God, that they will not suffer sin to be upon their brother. But give the saints wisdom to approach their brother. God, even as you gave Nathan wisdom, God. God, you gave Nathan wisdom because you love David, God. God, you wanted to help David, oh God. God, but you knew how to reach him, God. Raise up Nathans, oh God. Raise up Makai's, oh God. God, people that love you enough, God. That love one another enough, God. God, that God, let Makai's rise, oh God. Let Nathan's rise, God. God, let David's rise. Because David, God, heard the word of the Lord. And he repented, oh God. God, let the prodigal children return, oh God. God, let everyone, oh God, have the right heart, God. God, don't stop dealing with us, oh God. 
God, don't stop calling us to repentance, God. God, because the scriptures say, God, God, in the day that we hear your voice, oh God, pardon not our hearts. God, I know somebody heard your voice today, God. God, let them not harden their hearts, oh God. Because a hard heart, oh God, doesn't get us healed. Hallelujah. A hard heart doesn't get us free. A hard heart doesn't get us clean, God. Let our hearts be tender, God. God, as we hear your voice, God, I'm thinking of those in Acts. God, when they heard Peter preaching, God, they say, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent, hallelujah, Lord. Oh, God, God, we repent before you, God. God of being slothful, God, of being, God, indifferent, God, God of fornications and addictions, God, of partying, and God, sometimes just not, God, of unbelief, God, God, any sin among your people, oh, God. God, as we repent before you, Lord God, God, I can see heaven right now, God, God, pulling out roads for your sons and daughters. God, restore, God. God, take away the blood guiltiness, oh God. God, take away, my Lord God, the condemnation. God, take away the guilt, God. God, take away the shame, God. God, let them not feel the mind battles anymore. God, let them know, God, that they're justified. God, let them know, God, that there's nothing you're holding against them, oh God. God, let them know that heaven is rejoicing, God. God, let them know, God, for this is the gospel, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, you came for this hour. You came, let it flow, sis. Let it flow, sis. You're in the presence of God. Let it flow, hallelujah. Come on, we're in the presence of God. Let the Spirit of God flow through this place. Come on, saints, pray with me. Let it flow through this place. Come on, anointing of God is here. Yokes are being destroyed. Father, we repent, God. We thank you. God, we can feel your wonderful spirit flooding this place. Thank you for your spirit. God, that's flooding this building, God. God, I know that's heaven rejoicing, God. God, I know that's the angels pulling out roads for your children, God. God, I know the rings are coming out, God. God, I know shoes are being put on our feet. Hallelujah. God. Come on, saints, let us enjoy this. Come on, the presence of God is flooding this place. Wash us right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, God is washing you. Come on, God is healing you. God is cleaning you. Wash me, Lord. Clean me, God. Creating me a clean heart, God, that I may be clean. God, clean us, wash us. Come on, saints. Come on, come on. Pray with me, saints. Come on, come on, come on, come on. As we get ready to go, God is forgiving his people. Come on, the hand of the Lord is upon his people. Come on, walk in newness of life. Come on, God is saying, I'm looking at you today like you never left. God is saying, I'm looking at you like it never happened. God say, my child that was dead is alive again. Hallelujah. 
Oh God, we can feel your spirit tender, precious, wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your wonderful kindness that forgives us. God, that doesn't reward us for our God, what we deserve sometimes. It's your mercy, God. You're rich in mercy. You're rich in mercy, God. You're rich in it, God. You're rich in it, God. God, you're rich in it. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God. Let your mercy, God, we appeal to your mercy. Heal the land, God. Heal the land, God. Heal the land, oh God. This is your land, oh God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God, all of the research that they're doing, God, unlock some knowledge to them, God. God, I beseech you, God. I appeal to your mercy. Have mercy, God, even as you told that death angel to put up his sword over Jerusalem. Even now, God, there's been so much death, so much dying, so much disease. But God, you have not ended the world yet. And God, if you have not ended it, God, let mankind receive this chastisement. God, let our hearts not be hard and scoff. But let mankind realize that his creator is trying to get his attention. That his creator, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is chastising his creature. Hallelujah, Lord. Let us repent before you, God. Touch the heart of man, God. All over this world, God. Bring us, God, down and let us be humbled before you, God. This is your earth, oh God. This is your world, God. This is your galaxy. Let them know, God, they don't need to escape to go to Mars to find a new place to live. Just need to repent before their God. There's nowhere we can go from your presence. We just need to repent and you'll meet us where we are. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you. We worship you. We reverence you today. We acknowledge your sovereignty. Come on, special. Let it flow. Come on, come on. That's God's hand up on you. Let it flow. Come on. Come on, come on, special. Let it flow. Let it flow. Come on. Come on, God, pouring out his spirit right now. Come on, God, doing it right now. Let it flow. Let it flow. Thank you, Lord. We can get ready to go, but the Holy Ghost is falling. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let it flow. Come on, let it flow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. What did I seek you? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. 
your mercy, your spirit is flooding this place. Thank you. Thank you. forgiveness today let us walk in newness of life knowing oh God that heaven has forgiven us and heaven is rejoicing and we're going to walk in newness of life as the word of the Lord says let this be a fresh start a new beginning a new day for that is the gospel thank you Father Amen. We're going to read our benediction and we're going to get ready. We're going to thank all of you. Amen. I can feel your heartfelt prayers. Praise God. I pray, amen, that the word of God blessed you today. Pray that the word of God spoke something to you today to help you along your way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. We're going to read number six and we're going to get ready to go. Hallelujah. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. God bless you.